I think most here have probably gone through some kind of exam or test in your lifetime or in their lifetime. Some tests you can prepare for easily, like a driving test or a test after watching a video, while others can be a little more difficult to prepare for. Some time ago, there was a man who had an exam of sorts. And just like any other exam, you didn't know what the exam was until it was given. There were a handful of people to be tested. And as far as I know, they were all there to pass the test. As they moved towards the site, he remembered seeing some clenching and relaxing their fists. Some were stretching their necks, sort of like that, and some were chewing gum. Everyone dealt with anticipation differently. One thing they all had in common, though, was that they were all waiting quietly. Well, all except for one person who, in hindsight, was quick to display confidence in their own ability to everyone that was there. It was the middle of winter, so they all took the appropriate steps to keep warm as much as possible since uh, being exposed to the elements. And then, one by one, they were summoned to go to be tested. The man was the last to be called, and by, the, by that time the sun had begun to set. And when he arrived, he was shown a knot, above all things, and then he was told to untie it with one hand under 90 seconds. Knowing your knots well makes things a little easier, doesn't it? The catch, the only catch, I should say, was that he had to dive into the river to do it. After he was reunited with the group, he remembered everyone was there. Everyone except for one guy. I think you can probably guess who. Many people are defeated before the test even starts. One can try and fake it till they make it, but as you heard before, it will only take you so far. In Luke 14, Jesus turned and said to the great multitude that followed him, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going against, going to make war against another king, since sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When a child of God makes a commitment to discipleship, it can come at a cost, and that cost is usually not one that is expected. It can mean smaller circle of friends, or giving up a way of life that is not honorable to God or, or, or an activity, sacrificing activity that is not glorifying to Him. God wants us to attain to His good, acceptable and perfect will for our lives by 
putting away variableness and shadow of turning because those things hurt us and our faith in Him. He wants us to have that fullness that can only be sought through obedience to Him. In Mark 8.34, Jesus called the disciples and the people unto Him and He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus is coming with, in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. He will come. And prior to this saying, Jesus had just rebuked Peter after he rebuked the Lord for telling them that he must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Earlier on, before that, Peter declared that Jesus was the Christ after Jesus asked his disciples who they thought he was. In a way, they had been through the training, following Jesus sometimes under the most difficult circumstances. This would prepare them for the mission Jesus would leave them before he ascended. The Holy Spirit would bring all things to remembrance and the words Jesus had spoken to them. They would commit to loving one another as the Lord commanded, and Peter would feed the Lord's sheep as instructed after the second impossible catch. The disciples would be transformed by the Holy Spirit as he continued to teach them all things pertaining to the faith. They would relinquish their old understanding of religion and embrace salvation as a gift to all men from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Growing up, I had parents that were always concerned about me, just like I'm concerned about my children now. You ever stop to think about that? When you're young and dependent on parents, you tend to take some things they say with a grain of salt. Well, that's putting it lightly. Then when you have your own family, you tend to understand why they did that and said what they did. After the Last Supper, Jesus has been teaching his disciples and reassuring them of things to come. He reminds, them, he reminds them that if they know him, then they know the Father also. The Father knows what his children need. In John 16, Jesus tells his disciples, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. Jesus knew that his disciples would be facing, what his disciples would be facing moving forward. In their faith. When the disciples received the Holy Spirit, he would remind them so that they would continue to trust in one in the one whom they had trusted and obeyed from the beginning. The disciples were not perfect. They weren't perfect. 
they doubted and questioned, but still they decided to follow Jesus. It's easy to discount any effort or work when it's not us who is leading the pack. The disciples were used to following Jesus and doing what he asked them to do. They probably saw him nearly every day. You think they saw him nearly every day? And then all of a sudden, after years of following Jesus, they are being told about the 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 adversaries that they will face and what they will endure. They are facing the prospect of of not having Jesus around anymore. And then Jesus says to them, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. The expectation of the disciples was that Jesus would become king, and now more than ever, given the increase of his followers. However, the recent news Jesus tells them is not one that is palatable. It's not one that's easy to accept. Although they want to know where he is going, they are assuming that he will go somewhere where they could follow. They inquired in a worldly manner. That's how they were thinking. But not through the lenses of a heavenly perspective. The anticipation of Jesus' words was incompatible with their expectations of ruling with Jesus in what they perceived to be his kingdom. It caused their sorrow. It took their minds off what was really important. Jesus was going back to the Father's house to prepare a place for them. Just like he's preparing a place for us. Verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. They couldn't bear it now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore saith I, that that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. When Paul was kept in custody after the chief priest tried to accuse him, Felix the governor at the time commanded a centurion to keep Paul because people wanted to kill him. Then after some days came with his wife, Felix did, and to hear Paul speak. And when Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance and judgment to come, Scripture says that Felix trembled and said, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. When the subject of conversation changes to such topics, has anyone here ever encountered the same reaction from others who are resistant to the truth? Then in Acts 26, Paul testified of his conversion, how Jesus appeared to him on the way to Damascus, and that Jesus rose from the dead. Festus called called him mad. He says, Thou art mad. Much learning have made thee mad, he said to Paul. But King Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. 
You ever find yourself in the moment when you know that the Spirit of God is doing His work in a person, but the person resists? The thing is, you never know how far along a person is on that journey to accepting Christ. Only God knows the hearts of men. God's Word is alive, and He will convict the hearers as the preacher speaks. Jesus said, It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. A while ago, I was speaking to someone who told me that the world had been evangelized to and alluded to the idea that there was no longer any need for it. No need to go and share your faith. No need to talk about Jesus because it's already been done. Everybody knows about Jesus. Who was Jesus speaking to about the Comforter? Well, He's speaking to the immediate disciples. He had been with them this whole time and now He is telling them that another Comforter will come to be with them forever. Then the Comforter will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Scripture says in Romans 10, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they, they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring get glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have, ye, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not, I was made manifest unto them that asketh not after me. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. It is the responsibility of the church to be the lampstand that holds up the light. The church is the bride of Christ and the voice that points to our Redeemer, Christ. Our work is not done until our Lord commands that it is. That's it. So when I'm ever in desperate need of a break, I'm going to take my sip of coffee and get back to work. That's what I'm going to do. When the Lord says there is work to be done, then indeed there is work to be done. A little while and ye shall not see me, and again a little while and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that thou he saith unto us, A little while and ye shall not see me, and again a little while and ye shall see me, and because I go to the Father? They said therefore, What is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire amongst yourselves of that I said a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy 
that a man is born into the world. I've been through this three times with three kids. And every single time when the contractions start, when you're holding on, when I'm holding on to my wife's hand, it's a difficult time because you see someone that you love in pain. But as soon as the babies are born, as soon as one of, the, one of them were born, we celebrate. There's no more sorrow. There's joy because life, a new life has entered the world. And what more reason is there to rejoice? And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs. But I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come back, and come into the world. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. And then his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. They believed that he came from God. They didn't believe that he was truly the Son of God, the one that existed with God from the beginning of time, before the foundations of the world was laid. Scripture shows us that when the two witnesses were killed by the beast in Revelation 11, the people refused to bury them and instead rejoiced, made merry and sent gifts to one another. I thought about the remnant that did believe the testimony of the witnesses and how they must have felt. Must have been how the disciples must have felt when Jesus was crucified. The disciples would go through the same experience. Having been with the Lord these years, having seen Him do the mighty works He did, and being a part of that, they lived with the Lord and listened to Him speak words that they would eventually come to understand. Here in John 16, the Lord is telling His disciples that a time of travail and sorrow would soon come to pass. And his encouragement is that he will see them again and that their heart will rejoice. They would come to know Jesus whom they lived with, ate with, and spoke with for the years that they walked with him as the Son of God. They would come to know him as their high priest, the mediator who would speak to the Father for them, the Lamb who made a way for them to come to the God, God the Father of lights. In ignorance, the disciples were quick to confirm that they were fully aware or they understood what Jesus was saying. But Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world... Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In John 18, 36, Jesus answered Pilate when Pilate was quarrying him for the people wanted to 
condemn him. They wanted to crucify him. So Pilate asked him some questions. And then Jesus answered and said to him, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. There were many things that Jesus would tell his disciples after he was glorified, because at this time they would not be able to bear it. There were many taboos and old ways that needed to be put away, and that happened after Jesus was glorified. After he rose from the dead, Jesus knew what his disciples needed. He knew where they were at their, at, with their faith and how much to reveal to them. He knew. And they knew that they would continue to follow him because he had the words of everlasting life. They stuck with him, even though they didn't understand what he was, at times, what he was saying. In closing, I would like to read from the 37th chapter of the book of Psalms. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves. In the abundance of peace. As we celebrate this new year, my encouragement is to trust in Him with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. May God's blessing fill your life with joy this coming year as you continue to seek Jesus Christ, His Son, in all that you do. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come here and worship you, that this church can be a place that people can come to hear the truth, that we can be a lampstand that holds up the light for everyone to see and listen to. And I pray that as we continue to commit, as we continue this journey, that you will continue to lead and to bless and to reassure. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.